Well, good morning, everybody. How are you today? Are you all right? You okay? <laughs> way, to, way to go, Brett. That's great. You not wanting to move is not our concern. <laughs> Do you remember, I don't know if you remember that joke about the farmer uh, and uh, he comes to church in a snowstorm the one Sunday and uh, it's just him and the pastor and the pastor thinks he, it's business like usual, like, hey, I got one saint, I've got a, and so the pastor leads him through and it was just him. And he preached at this one guy eye to eye the whole time. And, and, and uh, afterwards he says, so what did you think? He says, well, you know, it's kind of like when I'm feeding my animals, I don't necessarily feed them the entire wagon load just for one. You know, like it's like this is how the, the, the farmer was thinking, you know, overkill. Uh, but that's not what it's going to be like today because we're going to go long. I'm telling you, actually not. I want to tell you a little bit, uh, I, we've actually omitted some things because we wanted to, to do it uh, when, when, when we were all here, and so I've actually made some adjustments, so forgive me for that. But I also feel like um, yesterday was uh, the memorial service for Sandra's mom. We had a memorial service here, and last weekend as I was thinking about, God, what do you want to, I'd love something very fresh for that, for that memorial service. And I prayed about it and kept on praying and it was kind of one of these nagging things. And on Monday of this week, God gave me a passage, a scripture passage, uh, which I'd never preached before at a memorial service. And so I began unpacking that. And one kind of dominant thought came out of it and I felt like it was for all of us. It wasn't just for yesterday, it was for today. So. I'm going to reshare uh, some of what we, we looked at yesterday with a bit of more of a, a different application than yesterday, but I felt it was for you today. So, so the fact that you made it through the weather, I think it's because God has a challenge for, for you. I, 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 I believe this in my heart that uh, he's going to speak to us this morning. And so let's pause and pray and kind of just open ourselves up to God speaking to us today and that he would... Uh, <laughs> He would wake us up. I love that song. Awaken, awaken, awaken me. Lord, that would be our prayer this morning. Would you grab hold of us, our lives, and would you speak into our situations? God, uh, we're all facing different things. We're all going through different seasons. And uh, Lord, you're so amazing that uh, you, <laughs> you are capable, you are available, you are uh, adequate to, to anything we might face, Lord. There's nothing that's kind of out of your, your eyesight, out of your realm. And so we come this morning and we pray that you might lead us and guide us. Lord, um, even, even I'd pray you'd speak to the speaker today, Lord, uh, that I might hear your word, but we all might be open to what you might say. We pray these things with faith and in Christ's name, amen. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 16. That's the last chapter in the second gospel. And uh, it's a passage, as I said, I shared yesterday. It's kind of an odd passage to share during this season of Lent because it really is an Easter passage. It, it occurs on Easter Sunday. And as I said, I haven't been able to get away from this passage, but I think it sets some context even as we consider 
later on this morning as we have an AGM together and as we think about our direction and vision as a church, it's, it's something that I hope we can keep in our, our, our minds in the weeks and months to come as we walk out what it means to be a church. But uh, primarily this morning, I think the application is going to be for you and for me and, and, and for our church as well. So turn to Mark 16, 1 to 8. Would you please stand, if you're able, for the reading of God's word? When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll away the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the white right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who is crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. May God bless the reading of his word. Have a seat. Uh, This Easter Sunday account is told from the perspective of three women, Mary Magdalene, Salome, and, and Mary, the mother, it says of James, but that's likely Jesus' brother, Mary, the mother of Jesus. They would have come through the Think about it, the hardest weekend of their lives. On, on Friday, there they were at Calvary. They were all there at the, the cross, observant of what happened there. And, and it was there that Mary, the mother of Jesus, watched her eldest son, the son whose birth was announced by angels. She watched him suffer a, a brutal and horrific death on a cross. Uh, my mother-in-law has been visiting uh, for the last month or so, and in fact, she, she takes off this last, in, in a couple days, she's, she's heading back to Ontario. And while she's been here, she's been, over the last couple weeks, binge-watching Downton Abbey, which is good for her, bad for me. It means like it's like all Downton Abbey all the time in our household, and uh, so when I walk by the, our, where our family room is, uh, it's likely that I'm going to catch a small scene of something that's going on in Downton Abbey, which... By the way, we conquered that series a long time ago, and I thought I'd put it to bed for the rest of my life. But uh, it was on, and, and we all kind of converged. It was, I think it was just before dinner earlier this week, and uh, she had it on, and we kind of all gathered in. Just something caught our eyes, and something dramatic was happening on the scene. And we found, I found myself sitting down, and Noah came in. He was doing homework. He, he sat down, and suddenly we're all there, spellbound by what's happening on the television. And it was a tragedy. Uh, what, what we observed, and I'm not going to give, try to, no spoilers here, but two parents are there, and, and their daughter is, is dying in bed. And uh, two doctors are standing by. They, they're helpless. Uh, there's no hope. And uh, we watched Spellbound as these parents watched their daughter breathe her last breath. And uh, if, if I can say a, a heaviness fell over the gray household, I wouldn't be exaggerating it. Like, there, it was not a cheerful next little bit. And I was looking, I was thinking about Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh, and thinking about her. 
and how that would have been for her on that Friday afternoon to watch her son uh, bleed and suffer uh, in uh, the most excruciating way possible. And as he gasped his last breath, I wonder what it would have been like to be her. Uh, one of the other women uh, was women with Salome. She's uh, mentioned as being at the cross both in the Gospel of Matthew and also in Mark. There's some thought that she was Mary's sister. And if that's the case, then Salome would have been Jesus' aunt's. Did you know that Jesus had an auntie? Auntie Salome. And, and, and which means Salome would have actually been alive, been, been there in, in Jesus' life his whole life. She would have known him her whole life. And of course, there was Mary Magdalene. We're, we're more familiar with her. We, we know a little bit more about her. She was, she's a close follower of Jesus. We know that at, at some point, uh, we, we know that she'd had this terrible, broken past, dark, dark life. We, we were told that she's been delivered. Luke tells us that she'd been delivered from seven demons. Uh, Jesus had, had, had met her and delivered her and infused her life with hope and meaning. Suddenly, she's no longer an outcast. She's part of the family. She's, she's in community. She's loved, cherished, and uh, she'd found faith. And when Jesus' life got snuffed out on Friday, she would have held, felt hopeless. Like this, this new world, this, this guy that she'd taken her life chips and she'd bet him on Jesus. And now it seemed like a fool's bet. And Friday, just before the Jewish Sabbath, Jesus had been very quickly and abruptly buried in a, a first century tomb, not, not much more than a cave and it would have been sealed with this massive round stone. And, and these, these women, they knew it was Jewish law that you, you were forbidden for, from visiting the body. You wouldn't go into a cemetery on the Sabbath. And so, so now it's Sunday morning. Saturday night, right after Sabbath ended, they had gone and purchased burial spices. And now early, early Sunday morning, they brought those spices with them with which to honor Jesus' body. And we know what happens. But they didn't, not these women. They're on their way to the tomb to embalm their son, their friend, and their hope. And, and, and as they're walking on the way to the tomb, they've got one kind of dominant question, they've got one concern, one worry, one kind of fact that seems to be in the middle of it all. It's like, what are we gonna do about the stone that is blocking the tomb? <laughs> We want to we want to uh, we, we want to honor Jesus's body, but there's a stone in the in the way. Who's gonna roll away the stone? Is their question that they're asking? I think uh, most of us can relate, or or maybe all of us can relate in some small way to what they were feeling. I mean, isn't life kind of just packed with those kind of stones that get in our way? I mean, don't we all have those things that that we stress over, that we get worried about, that we we lose sleep over? Sometimes those things are, are legitimately big, <laughs> and, and, and sometimes they're, they're actually quite small. Like what happened to, to one guy I heard about, he, he went to his doctor in a panic, he said, doctor, doctor, you gotta help me. You know, I'm dying. Everywhere I touch, it hurts. I touch my head and it hurts. I, I, I touch my leg and it hurts. I touch my stomach and it hurts. I touch my my chest and it hurts. Doctor, you gotta help me. And the doctor, after giving him a, a, an examination, he says, Mr. Smith, I have good news for you and I have bad news. 
The good news is you're not dying. The bad news is you've got a broken finger. Everywhere I touch it hurts. I felt I had to explain that just for those of you who are just not tracking. Sometimes our, our, uh, I'd say our troubles can be like that. They can be small things that seem so huge. It's like the line I came across this week, don't worry about the world coming to an end today. It's already tomorrow in Australia. <laughs> but there's also the bigger challenges and, and, and those curveballs that it seems like life with some regularity sends our way. I, I think of friends here this morning uh, who lost their jobs. Um, I, I think of those in our midst who are suffering as a result of a freak accident. Uh, think of Wally or, or, or Larry or Naomi. Um, or, or those who are in a relationship crisis. And for some, it might be a frightening medical diagnosis or, or they're struggling with depression or some form of mental illness. For some, it's money trouble or the, the stone for them is an addiction. Or, or some work or school challenge that just seems impossible. Sometimes it's dealing with the loss of a friend or a loved one. And the, and the question seems quite relevant. Who's going to roll the stone away? How am I going to overcome this? How am I going to get through this? Sometimes I, I'd say the obstacles are a little bit more abstract, uh, like doubt. It, it could be kind of the doubts I think many of us have. <laughs> could be self-doubt, or maybe it's a doubt that has to do with our faith, like, God, where are you? Or it could be one of those nagging questions. Uh, for some, it might be that big question, is there meaning to my life? Or uh, for those who maybe are recently retired, they're asking the question, what's my life about now? What do I do now? Or those kids who have left home and, and suddenly it seems like for a parent, their entire life is redefined. I mean, it was, it was about kids for these 20-something years, and now it's like not about kids anymore. What's my life about now? Uh, maybe it's, it's you're a student and you're going, I'm, I'm, I'm in grade 12, and I know I'm supposed to know what I'm supposed to do with the rest of my life, and I have no idea, right? What am I, what am I gonna do next? Who's gonna roll the stone away? Here are these women on, on the way to the tomb, and they're anxious about the obstacle, and, and it's, it's not small. It's actually large, and it's beyond them. And, and, and so they're praying. They're, they're holding out hope that there'd be someone there to help, but it, if it's hope, it's not much hope. And, and I imagine they're afraid, kind of maybe paralyzed by that. And I, I think many of us can relate to the kind of prayers, almost worrying prayers that they're praying <laughs> The obstacle in front of you is large and it's beyond you and there seems to be no hope and you're frantically praying to God to help move it out of the way, to intervene, to, 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 to clear the path. And you might even along the way be giving God ideas as to how he could solve this. Lord, I, I, I got some solutions for you. If you would just do this, this, and this, that would take care of it. Well, this is where the story gets really interesting. Let, let me read part of the story. I love this part. It says, but as they arrived, they looked up and they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. And when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And the women were shocked. 
But the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they have laid his body. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that is the best ending to a story ever. <laughs> Just so good. And I, I don't think we can underestimate the kind of awesome wonder of that moment. It reminds me of a passage uh, from the Lord of the Rings, which everything reminds me of a passage from the Lord of the Rings. So surprise, surprise. Um, some of you have heard me share this one before, but because it's Lord of the Rings, it bears repeating until we've all memorized it. It's a scene where, and it's a poignant scene because the fellowship has been, one of their number has died. Gandalf is gone, in the great abyss. And they, in the movie, I think it portrays it really well, they weep desperately over the loss of their leader you know, the, the great wizard. And uh, later on in the book, um, they meet Gandalf. <laughs> and Samwise Gamgee has this encounter with, with Gandalf, and he says, Gandalf, I thought you were dead. And Gandalf replied, but then I thought I was dead myself. I love that line. <laughs> I thought I was dead myself. And then Sam asked, is everything sad going to come untrue? What's happened to the world? A great shadow has departed, said Gandalf. And then he laughed, and the sound was like music, or like water in a parched land. And as he listened, the thought came to Sam that he had not heard laughter, the pure sound of merriment for days upon days without count. Um, you know, these women, they're, they're on the way to the tomb, they're on their way to grieve, and they couldn't have been more surprised ever, because there was a resurrection. And I can imagine for them, it was a little bit like Samwise Gamgee. Shock and awe, you know? In fact, uh, it, it tells us that they, they ran. I, I think it was the most perplexing thing. The good, the good news was almost too good. I, I mean, they run afraid because it's like, how do we grapple? Resurrection blows the boxes. How do we, how does, this does not compute. I think that's why they, they went away. It says that they went away afraid. It was unbelievable. And, and you see, God's answer to their prayers was far bigger and far better than they could have ever imagined. Think about it. They wanted the stone rolled away so that they could embalm their friend. We're talking about them dealing with the dead. What's God's idea? Resurrection. <laughs> Bringing the the dead back to life. I mean, what's God's idea? God's idea is, is conquering death. God's idea is defeating the enemy, destroying the power of sin. God's idea, Jesus, the Son, raised up in glory, seated on the, on the throne in his rightful place. The kingdom of God coming, the, the kingdom of God available to all humanity. That's God's idea. Now here's the thing, here's where I uh, feel really challenged by this passage. Because when I think about my life, and when I think about your life, and, and I think sometimes when I think about our church, I think many of us would simply settle for our idea. And bomb the dead. Uh, stone out of the way. We'd settle for the stone getting rolled. 
We'd settle for our need getting met, our, our problem getting solved, our hurts getting healed, our inconvenience getting addressed, our questions answered, our, 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 our doubts removed. We'd settle for our comfort being restored. Is this not the culture of our day? I've had this uh, C.S. Lewis quote bouncing around in my head this week, and uh, it's felt like it's had a bit of an edge to me, because I think it uh, speaks directly to me, but Lewis talks about how from God's perspective, our wishes and our desires are simply inadequate for God. And he says it this way, he says, it would seem that our, our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an in ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he can't imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday by the sea. He concludes by saying we are far too easily pleased. And here's the thing, you know, if we have a God that we only hold on to for, for removing the odd obstacle in our life, it'll impact us in so many ways. This will absolutely affect how we live. It'll affect how we dream. It'll affect how we live. It'll affect the type of relationship that we can have with God. If God is just the chief problem solver of our lives, we won't develop the, the beautiful and intimate and, and soul-quenching relationship that, that will, will meet the needs of our, our hearts. We'll miss out on, on, on something that is so much better, so much greater than we could ever imagine. We'll miss out on joy. And, and, and if we don't have a, a vision of a, a resurrection God, of a God who can resurrect the dead, we'll miss the radical and awesome and beyond belief things that our God can do in our lives and through us in our world. Um, I went out uh, for sushi with a, a friend uh, I've been getting to know over the last few years, and this friend uh, went on to unpack some of his story, and he, he says, I'm sure I've told you this before, and he hadn't, it was new to me. Uh, he told me how eight years ago uh, he was in uh, a creme de la creme job. And uh, in the midst of that, he was reading a book called Three Cups of Tea. And, and you might have seen it, it was bestseller uh, about schools in developing world for, for girls. Apparently, some of it has been proved, has been discredited some, but he says, apparently about 60% of the book is true and 40% is fiction. But he said, even if it's 60% is true, it's still, still a remarkable book about educating particularly girl and girls in vulnerable parts of the world. And, and as he read that book, he's, he's like, he, he felt like God was giving him an assignment. Like, like, this is kind of something I want you to do. I want you to step out and take your gifts and your talents and, and, and your skills you've learned. I mean, sure, you're in the peak of your career, but take all that, and I want you to go there and use it there. And it was this amazing thing. And I want to tell you what happened. Uh, what happened? Nothing. He set it aside because, I mean, he, he really liked where he was at in his career. He had an awful lot of power, 
and he was doing really, really well. And things kept going on for a while, and this, this dream kind of was just in the back burner, maybe, maybe diminishing. And then one day, through a series of, of unforeseen events, I mean, he was, he was at the top, and he got fired. And, and it was one of these, it was crazy. He's like, how can I get fired? And, and I mean, he, he wasn't at fault. As, as a result of somebody else in the company, he, got, he was kind of, everyone got swept aside. And, and, and he said it was the darkest moment of his life. And he says it, it was the beginning of a series of dark moments. He says it wasn't like suddenly my life got, got great. He said, I went on to the next thing, and I worked at a, at a really great job for a year, and then same thing happened again. Because of somebody else, he got fired a second time. And, and as he shared this, a smile became, began to form on his face. He says, uh, do you know what God was teaching me through that experience? Humility. <laughs> he says, I was such a proud, proud guy. He says, I still struggle with pride, but I tell you, the teeth of pride has been taken from my life. And he says, do you want to, I mean, I know what he does now, but he says, and look where he's brought me. And he went on to list the blessings that have come out of this brokenness, this devastation. And you know what he's doing now? <laughs> he works for an organization uh, called Teach Beyond that facilitates teachers in North America going overseas and teaching in vulnerable parts of the world. And he's a, he's a, um, <laughs> it's amazing how he's taken all that he has and is, and has, has deployed it there, and he's making an incredible difference. My, my cousin uh, actually works with Teach Beyond in India. Hundreds of teachers are doing this all over the world, and, and he's a big part of making that happen. Isn't that amazing? Um, let me give you a... I, actually, let me, let, me, let me tell you what he said. I, want, I, want, I, I wrote it down because I wanted to hear uh, word for word what he said. He says, I'm so glad I lost that job. I'm so glad God pushed me out of the nest. nest. What I'm involved right in right now is miracle after miracle after miracle. It's hard, but it's beyond my wildest dreams. What he's experiencing is resurrection. God doing immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine or dream of. Let me uh, give you another example. It seems like we've had a string of unfortunate events happen here to Hillsiders recently, I think of, of Larry, who uh, has suffered from, from leg issues for a long time. Finally, uh, a couple of months ago, a number of months ago, had a, had, a, had a hip surgery and was enjoying such recovery and new mobility and was doing so well and it was beautiful. And he had an unfortunate fall and broke his shoulder. And it's like, man, like, it's like, Lord, again. And then I think of Wally, who, as we've, we've unpacked before, but how Wally has this freak trip, and, and uh, next thing you know, he's paralyzed, and he's in the hospital, and he's wondering, is he ever going to use his arms or his legs again? And, and good news this week, he's, in, he's been moved to GF Strong, and there's, there's great like, recovery of mobility is happening. It's a long road ahead, but I mean, we're seeing how God is d- delivering and so on, but it's interesting, a couple of Sundays ago, uh, one, of, one of our hillsiders was here, and during the worship service, they, they, had, they said it was a real disruption because just they were sitting there worshiping, and it's like a picture of Wally and Heather, and a picture of Larry and Lorna came right into their heads. And, and, and Wally and Heather, what they saw was indescribable joy on their faces, 
It was like, in spite of whatever has happened to them, what they were experiencing was indescribable joy. And then uh, Larry and Lorna, the picture they had of, of Larry and Lorna was, was they, were, they were jumping up and down like crazy people. Actually, I added the crazy people part. But they were jumping up and down, the same kind of thing, they, they had joy. And, and both these couples have been through hell in, 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 a, in a way, and, and they might be, we might be content for just a restoration of health on their part. We'd just be happy, hey, Lord, our friends are sick. Could you, could you touch them? <laughs> but can't you see God's got something far bigger and far better in store for them? Unspeakable joy. And, and, and you know what? God's got something unspeakably better in store for you. Better than, than whatever fear, better than whatever concern or, or problem that you're nursing, problem that you're going through. Um, uh, yesterday, uh, the, the, the room was covered with quilts. Uh, Sandra is a quilter, and Sandra's mother is a quilter. And Sandra's, Sandra's mom's quilts uh, were aligned the back row of seats, and there was a, a quilt up front. And I like the fact that, that Elizabeth, your, your mom, was a quilter because my mom was a quilter. In fact, one of our wedding gifts for my mom was a quilt that she made for Angel and I, and it's, it's been well-loved in our home. Um, but it's interesting. Quilting now is different than quilting back 25, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Quilting now, I understand, like, people actually go out and buy material for quilts, right? They, they do that. You, you actually, you buy pattern material just the way you want it. You, you select that. Back 30, 40 years ago, the way my mom quilted was she took the castaways. <laughs> she took old dresses and worn-out clothes, my dad's, you know, shirts, and we would see these things taken and cut up and, and woven into this this beautiful pattern, this, this, this amazing, beautiful quilt. And, and I think that's a lot like what God does in our lives. He takes even the rags. He takes those broken bits. He takes the, the parts that we, we think that's for the, the garbage. And he reclaims it and he redeems it and he makes something beautiful of it. That's what he does with our problems and our suffering. Uh, of course, the Apostle Paul was convinced of this. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. He'd go on to say, he'd say, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. You see, the resurrection of Jesus says to us that there is nothing in our lives that is so difficult or hopeless or lost that God cannot take it and transform it and use it for his good and for ours. You know, if we, if we uh, believe in a God that can raise the dead, if resurrection is, is, is what we should be looking at, it'll change the way we pray. We'll pray bigger. In, in fact, I would say that we pray up or down to the size of the God that we have. You, you, you agree? We'll pray up or down to the, the size of the God we have. Small God, small ask, big God, big ask. My same friend that I met for sushi this week asked me this question with some passion. He says, Derwin, what is your big ask? What is your big ask of God? He says, even for me, it's been eight years. I, I, back then, eight years when I read that book, I, I kind of threw out a big ask. And, 
And he says, what is your big ask? Looking to God for something that only God can do through your life. If we have a resurrection God, we will pray bigger than we are. As, as a church, we've been talking about vision and, and crafting vision and mission statements. We've been thinking about how we become simpler in our structure so that we're more focused. We've been un- unrolling our, our, our warm welcome plan with the hopes to have a more welcoming facility. We, we've got all these ideas, and do you know what I sense God saying to me this week? You ain't seen nothing yet. Those things are just stones. <laughs> yeah, they gotta be dealt with. But it was kind of like, you know, in that passage, it's just like the stone had been rolled aside as if it was inconsequential. And some of these, these things that, that uh, our leaders are, are agonizing over are, are, are important, but they're just kind of stones. And, and God has, God's saying, I got something better and, and, and beyond what you could ask or imagine. It's resurrection, baby. It's Jesus. It's, it's lives turned upside down for God. It, it's people coming to Jesus. It's baptisms in number. It's God transforming lives. It's God healing people. It's, it's people getting so caught up with the hope that they have in Christ that it becomes just spilling out of them and changing the environment of our city. Can you imagine if every follower of Jesus in the city got so caught up with God's hope that they couldn't help but share it? Can you imagine? It's like these gold miners that I heard that they, they, they came across the, the, the biggest vein of gold and, and they knew, guys, we're rich, we're rich. And they said, we gotta keep it quiet. We can't tell anybody. If word gets out, everybody will want, want this. And they come into town and people says, you found it, didn't you? Why? It was written all over their faces. I think I would love to see us become the kind of people where hope is so, so a part of us that, that people say, why are you so happy? What's going on with you? What are you hiding? What are you hiding? And God wants us to pray that way, to pray with faith, to pray that God will come with his resurrection power and do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And so I want to ask you this morning, like my friend asked me with some passion this week, what is your big ask? What is your big ask? I want you to think about it. And folks, if it's just about a better job or more money or a problem-free marriage or some pain that you're dealing with, Can I say that's not a big enough ask? That's stone rolling stuff. Don't get me wrong, God cares about the stone. He takes care of stones. But what might God want to do that would blow your socks off? I I, I wonder if maybe an obstacle to us actually thinking this way is that we're so used to worrying about the stones that we don't even know how to look up and think elsewhere. I I think you need to start reading the Gospels again and get your eyes on Jesus, the kind of things that he did in situations. We, we, We forget, I mean, people would meet Jesus. Mary Magdalene met Jesus and, and, uh, 
She might have hoped for a handout. She might have hoped for a little bit of comfort. And what, what did God do for her? Delivered the demons. And uh, you might want God to just deal with a symptom in your life. And, and God says, I want to do something so beyond that. I want to resurrect you in the core of your being. If you, if you don't feel like you can even see the possibility of resurrection, and, and here's the thing, I, I don't even know that we can actually um, maybe conceptualize what God might ask, but I'd say, God, give me a big ask. You're a big God. I, I, God, give me that question. Give me that, that, that idea. Give me that vision for my life that, that I wouldn't settle for just crumbs, for making mud pies in the slum when a holiday on the sea is on offer. What is it God might be asking you to step out of the boat for and, and, and lean into to, to what he wants to do in your life? I mean, guys, we're so afraid, aren't we? And we're so in love with our comfort. And God's inviting you to trust me, saying, I got something so, so, so much better. So let's do that right now. Just uh, why, don't, why don't you bow your heads and let's just use this time. I'm going to have a chance to respond. How is God speaking to you this morning? Is there a stone maybe that's in your life that's become all-consuming and you can't see anything else? And maybe this morning you just say, God, I want to give you that stone. Uh, you can take care of that. I mean, there's something beyond it that's better that uh, you want me to get my eyes on. And God's just inviting you this morning to lift your eyes up off that and look to him for what he might want to do. Is there a dream or a vision that you've had and you've buried? I mean, you set it aside. You, you got distracted. You got afraid. It's been too hard. Why don't you ask God in his grace and mercy to resurrect those dreams? When's the last time you've had a big ask of God? Something bigger than just that stone. Let's pray bigger than we've ever prayed before. Just, I invite you to take some time for silent prayer. I wonder uh, this morning if, if some of you think, you know, my time has passed. I, I, some of you are young, but some of you are older, and you go, is it too late to ask those big prayers? I, I've been having funky dreams lately. Um, this week I was woken up with a funk, one of those funky dreams. I was uh, going on a road trip. It might have been Route 66. And uh, I'm driving. I'm, I'm somehow given control of the vehicle, driving a van. I've got a friend and, and two boys, one of my sons and, another, and his son. We're driving along, and I'm dra driving. It's like I forgot how to drive. And we're on a cliff road, <laughs> and it's, it's just crazy. I'm, I'm weaving, and I'm winding around, and, and, and like, it's, it's seriously, it's like the, it's, it's a loose wheel in my hand. And eventually, I drove right off the cliff. <laughs> and at that point in my dream, I said, it's too late to pray. Because, <laughs> and I mean, in my dream, we're going, in, it's like slow motion going off the cliff. Uh, it's too late to pray. 
And in my dream, it's like, I love the fact that God can speak right in your dream. It's like he said, it's never too late to pray. <laughs> and I think I just threw out a prayer. I don't know what I prayed, but next thing you know, we're, I, there was balloons involved. <laughs> <laughs> but we landed, and we were okay. It was really quite, I mean, it was kind of a goofy ending to a really meaningful moment there. Fearful. But we didn't die. <laughs> But I mean, the message of that is never too late to pray. My wife has been uh, quoting a scripture from James. We take it a little bit out of context, but there's some truth to it. You have not because you ask not. And I was thinking that uh, sometimes some of those basic things in our lives, we're going, I'm almost prepared to do without than actually go to God and really implore him and seek him and ask. And, uh, And God's just inviting us to ask big, to, to, to say, God, uh, come, and you're the kind of God who, who, who does so much more than rolling stones away. You're the God who resurrects the dead. May we have the grace and the faith to trust in that kind of God in our lives. And, and I pray again that we would be dissatisfied with, with a stone-rolling God. That, that, that just wouldn't be enough to us anymore. Because you know what? You get all that stuff taken care of and we're still missing out on what he has. Unspeakable joy is what I sense he has for us. Uh, music team, would you come forward? Let's, let's wrap up with a couple of songs this morning.